Okay, so let's start with a non-negotiable truth. God is sovereign. He's holy. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. That means that God is everywhere. God is in control. He's all-knowing. He sees everything we do, and he's all-powerful. Okay? And then the second point is man has fallen. That's us. We're fallen creatures. We're rooted in sin. We're in the flesh. We're spiritually dead. So those two, those first two bullet points are bad news, right? Because we cannot hide from God. The third bullet point is the good news, right? So man is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. Okay, that's where we rest. That's the good news. Because we needed a savior based on those two bullet points on top. The next one is man exists for the glory of God alone. The reason why we're here is because we need to glorify God. And finally, believers submit to the scripture alone. Okay? So everything makes sense so far? And we'll hit all of those bullet points, okay? So before we start, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, um, here I am, your servant. Send your Holy Spirit to illumine the word for us as we tackle tough verses we ask that you prepare our hearts and prepare our minds and be with us throughout the next couple of minutes, Lord. <coughs> Heavenly Father, teach us what we do not know. Give us what we do not have and make us what we are not. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, we're going to go through these verses and then we're going to Go at it one at a time. So I'm just going to start reading. If you have your Bibles, bring it up. John 15, 1 to 8, 11, and then 16. So I'm going to start reading. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into a fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Last verse. <clears throat> you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in the, in the name of my Father, I will give you. Okay. So what you're seeing here is a picture of a grapevine. 
So as you notice, the vine is actually this trunk right here. And off of the vine, you see a bunch of branches, okay? So this is what it looks like prior to the gardening season, prior to the next harvest. So um, Israel is a very agricultural place. So this is common for them. So when Jesus gives metaphors, he gives metaphors, analogies, illustrations that are common to that time. Um, another common agriculture in, in Palestine are figs, olives, so that they can make olive oil. So th these are things that Jesus will always use. Um, and I want you to start remembering all the analogies, the illustrations, the metaphors that Jesus used. And most of them are ag agricultural, right? Um, you heard about the tear and the wheat, right? Where the wheat, the tear, the weeds are basically growing side by side with the wheat. Um, we heard the parable of the soil. So you have the rocky soil and you have the good soil. And then we also heard um, the metaphor about the thief and the good shepherd, right? So a lot of these metaphors Jesus will use so that they can illustrate to us what it truly means, right? But for now, we're going to focus on the branches. And there's two types of branches, the fruitless branches and then the fruitful branches. So that's what we're going to focus on over the next couple of, um, couple of verses, right? And the goal is really to have this bear fruit, right? It looks dead right now, but I mean, ultimately, it's going to bear fruit. Okay, so let's dive into it. John 15, 1 to 3. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So the characters here are, I highlighted, highlighted them in white. So the first character is the true vine, okay? And Jesus says, I am the true vine. He is the true vine. And the reason why he said true, because there's a false vine. Okay? And the false vine you can find in Isaiah 5. So if you want to look it up later on, if you look at Isaiah 5, um, God's beloved planted a vineyard. He planted it on fertile ground. He dug up all the rocks. He put a hedge around it to protect it. And then when the harvest time is here, it, bear, it bore bad fruit. It didn't bear good fruit. So when that happened on Isaiah 5, God removed the hedge. He, he, didn't, he stopped pruning. He didn't let it rain anymore. So basically, he made the vineyard a wasteland. And that vineyard, that vine is Israel. So God is basically t telling us that Israel was the vine, the fake vine, and he destroyed it. And Israel is God's people. So Jesus comes in and says, hey, I'm the true vine. So that's the first character. Second character is the gardener. And the gardener is the father. Okay? One thing we need to note here is that the gardener is very hands-on. Who here, I mean, show of hands, who does gardening? Okay, just a handful of people gardening? Okay. So um, when you garden, you're very hands-on, right? You, you don't, 
you look at the branches, you tend to the branches, you inspect the branches, and uh, you make that determination of what you're going to do next. So in this particular passage, the gardener is in control, okay? And that's God. The, second, the third character is the branch, all right? And there's two types of branches, the one that bears fruit and the one that's not, that doesn't. And then finally, the fruit, okay? So if you bring up your Bibles today, if you bring it up right now, and look at this and do a search for fruit, you will see a lot of fruit. And there's different kinds of fruit. The most common fruit that we hear is the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, patience, kindness, all that stuff. Fruit of the Spirit. We're going to talk about that later. Um, and then you will also see fruit of repentance, where people repent and submit to God. You'll also see fruit of obedience, right? But for this topic, the fruit that we're going to focus on are the people, right? So let's look at our Bibles, and you can see in Genesis 1.28, God commanded Adam and Eve, and he said, Be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth. So fruit means people, okay? If we go to the New Testament, um, in John 4, you guys remember Jesus encountering the Samaritan woman at the well? Sounds familiar, right? Um, so when Jesus revealed his deity to this person, to the woman, the woman went back to the village and came back out with a bunch of other Samaritans, right? And then when Jesus saw this, he told his disciples, look, the fields are ripe for harvest, right? He didn't mean wheat or anything. He meant the Samaritans are ripe for harvest. So that's people again. And then if we go to 1 Corinthians 16, Paul is basically saying, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia. Again, people. And then finally, on Romans 1.13, Paul saying, I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you, just as among the other Gentiles. So again, fruit could be a lot of things, but for the purpose of this study that we're doing, we're focusing on people. So what happens? So for us to know the good news, we always have to talk about the bad news. And I don't like talking about the bad news because it doesn't make, it doesn't feel good. It makes me, I don't know, it's just not a good thing to do. However, this is not my word, it's God's word. So we are required to preach it and to teach it the way it is, unadulterated and not change. So the first thing God does is he cuts, right? Again, he's hands-on, and the stuff that he normally cuts are the dead and the fruitless branches. The one furthest from the vine is what he goes after, right? So I want you to pay attention that this is no different than the goats and the sheep. This is no different than the tare and the wheat, right? So the context here, remember when we talked about... Um, why we read this. This happened on a Thursday night and 
the reason why I know it's a Thursday night, they just had the Passover meal. And the Passover meal, I learned from our study group that that's the Last Supper. So do you guys remember your Last Suppers in your homes in the Philippines? You have a picture of the Last Supper. Does anyone have that? I have that, right? We have that. We have a wood carving of the Last Supper. So this happened after the Last Supper, okay? And Jesus was speaking to the 11. So the question is, why is he not speaking to the 12? Well, Judas already left. So this really happened on a Thursday because the next day, that night, Jesus would be arrested and he would be crucified. It's super fast. I mean, they had the Passover meal. Jesus talked about this. Next time, next scene, he got arrested. Next scene, Jesus got crucified. So that's what, so keep in mind that when Jesus was giving this illustration, he's talking about Judas and the remaining 11 disciples, okay? So again, this is the weed. This is the tear. This is the goat. This is the rocky soil. And this is Judas. This is the fake disciple, okay? And they're far from Christ, right? I mean, these are the guys who go to church on Sundays. These are connected to the vine, right? They're connected to Jesus. But they're not fruitful. So Jesus, cuts, God cuts them off, right? And it does sound harsh because, I mean, like, Lord, I mean, you're connected to the vine. I'm connected to you. I go to church every Sunday. I sing in the worship. I do Bible studies. I'm connected to you. Why did you cut me off? And um, if you read Matthew, there's a harsher story. So remember when Jesus was walking with his disciples and he saw a fig tree? And, and the Sunday school people know this, right? Because I talk about this all the time. They saw a fig tree. Jesus saw a fig tree. And when he's, and it's not even a season for figs, by the way, right? It's like going to the Philippines in the summer looking for mangoes, but you're looking for mangoes in, in December, right? It doesn't exist, right? Mangoes don't exist in December, November. They exist in the summer. So Jesus was walking, saw a fig tree. He was probably hungry in his, on his human nature, and, um, and it's not even season. So when he went and approached a fig tree, there was no fruit. And what did Jesus do? He cursed the fig tree. It's not even season, Lord. I mean, why are you expecting figs from a fig tree that's not even a season? Why am I expecting mangoes in Christmas, right? It doesn't exist. But Jesus cursed the fig tree. And, and, the, and if, if we study more, and again, this is something that I learned in our small group, there's a special variety of fig in Palestine that bears fruit off-season. And when you encounter this particular variety it produces the sweetest fruit. So Jesus came over expecting sweet fruit and he saw nothing, so he cursed the tree. Because the fig tree appears to be a Christian. He appears to be fruitful, but he's not. Okay, so what happens? Um, God cuts them. And it's really bad news for the unbeliever. But I always want you to remember, if we go back to that non-negotiable truth, God will get glorified whether he exercises justice or whether he exercises his love. He will get glorified no matter what. 
So when he does this, when he cuts branches, he gets glorified. Okay? Because he's exercising justice. And the God that we worship is not only a loving God, but a just God. Okay? He never compromises. And we should be thankful for that. So next question. Can these branches that he just cut argue with God? Can they talk back and say, hey, why did you cut me? They can't do that, right? I mean, they can't argue with a holy God. They can't argue with all-powerful God. So the next thing is, can I collect these branches? So let's just say I collect them and give it to a carpenter and tell him, can you make me a table out of this? No. Can I make a chair out of these dead branches? No. So what are they good for? Collected and burned. Okay? So the good news. Pruning. So while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. And normally what you prune are the healthy and the fruitful branches. Our small groups are actually healthy. They're larger than before. We started with four families, and then we, we've added Damon, we've added the Christians, Pastor Chris will go occasionally, Pastor Brett will go occasionally, so our group has grown, right? So those are the healthy ones that will get pruned. And normally what you prune are the one closest to the vine. And it also needs to be flexible. So why flexible? So if you look at this picture, you have these two branches that have been pruned. And if you, I don't know if you guys see it in the back, but there's a guide wire in the vineyard. And those branches will be tied to the guide wire so that it can grow horizontally so the fruit will start dropping. Right? And that's why they do this. right? But when we talk about flexibility, this means that you're teachable and moldable. So what that means is that when you're being corrected in a small group, in a church, when your feelings are hurt, it's a learning opportunity. God is teaching you something. And we need to be humble when God teaches us. Okay? And flexible also means that we have to spend time. Right? Our priorities should never be our work, our families, our careers. It, it, that's, that's not the priority, right? The priority is the lost, God's people, that we need to share to. And uh, this kind of got me because every, when, we, when I pray, every, I thank God for every minute he gives me. Every single minute, I thank God. And then I do a self-assessment and, and figure out how much of those minutes did I spend with doing his work. Not a whole lot. He gave me a lot of minutes, and I only use a few of them. Okay? So for Christians, we really need to be flexible. So when we're reaching out to someone, it, it could be out of the way. It could be in a far distance. It could be in the Philippines. It could be anywhere. We have to be flexible. right? Because it's not about us. It's about the lost people. And then, um, finally, continuous suffering. Right? I, I looked up that term, <laughs> and I learned a lot watching YouTube. 
Um, but there is such a process called continuous suckering. So when a vineyard grows, when the branches shoot out, all these offshoots will start growing, okay? Those offshoots that, that are growing from the branches and the vine are called suckers. And the reason why they're suckers is because they steal nutrients from the plant, from the branches. So instead of stealing nutrients from the branches and the vine, the gardener just takes them out, okay? And the suckers in our lives today are distractions. We have a lot of those. We have politics, we have COVID-19, we have social media, we watch a lot of YouTube, and a lot of you watch Rafi Tulpo, okay? So let's be honest, that does suck up a lot of our time, right? And instead of me studying the word, I end up being glued to my computer watching this stuff, right? So God will remove those. He will remove the suckers, and he will continue to remove those offshoots so that we can grow. So, so far, if you feel like you're hurt about the message, be thankful, because God is pruning you. If you feel like, hey, I don't want to change my small group. I'm comfortable with my small group. I love my small group. Why are you going to change it? Be thankful. You're being pruned. If you just don't feel good about this message, be thankful you're being pruned. Right? So um, being pruned is a good thing, because I don't want to be cut, because at that point I have no feelings. So <clears throat> after pruning, what happens? So for Christians, I want you to pay attention to the command the reminder, the promise, and the warning in these next couple of verses. So verse 4, remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire and burned. We kind of talked about that a while ago. So the first command is remain. Other translations may say abide. All that really means is that you're connected, very much connected to the vine. You're abiding, you're remaining in the vine. Judas did not remain. Judas walked away. Okay? The 11 remained. They abide. Another translation for abide is accept without objection. So we all know when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we accepted him without objecting. So if you look at the flip side of that, Jesus actually did the same to you. Jesus accepted you without objecting. Jesus didn't tell the Father, I don't want to accept Lambert. I mean, he talks too much. Right? Um, he's not a good guy. He's a sales guy. I don't want to accept him. But God didn't do that. He, he accepted you and I without objecting. So remain is a good thing. Okay? 
Next thing is a reminder. So um, Israel and us, we all need reminders because we forget we're stiff-necked people is what the Bible says, right? So on verse 5, Jesus says, let me remind you, I am the vine and you are the branches. Don't ever think that you're the vine. You're branches, okay? Um, sometimes when God is letting us go through something, we, we don't like it sometimes, right? I mean, we, all, we always say, you know what, God, I don't like, I don't like this discipleship thing. I don't like sharing the gospel. I don't, I don't like that because it makes me uncomfortable. It makes me, makes me scared, right? Um, but we are the branches, okay? And he is the vine. And I also put something at the bottom of every slide so that in case you're wrestling through this, just remember that God is sovereign and you're fallen and then you're saved by faith alone. So that's why I put these memories, these things on the slide so I can remember as well. So I cannot argue with the vine. And whatever his plan is, goes. Not my plan, but his. Okay? And the next thing is the promise. The promise is, if you remain in him, you will bear much fruit. You will be fruitful. You have to remain in him, because if you remain in him, he will remain in you, and you'll bear fruit. Right? So on our Bible study groups, we, we remained in him. On our Sunday school, we remain in him. We follow him. We obey, and it's it's bearing fruit. And in the warning, again, if we didn't need any more reminder, God says that if you don't remain in me, you will wither and die. And those branches are picked up and thrown into, into the fire. So the next thing, John 15, 7, 8. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So I highlighted my words. So what is God's word? I mean, do you guys hear it audibly? How do you know what God's word is? It's the Bible. And that's why we study the Bible. That's why we spend time in the Bible. That's why we read the Bible. Because how can you remember something that you don't even look at, that you don't even read, that you don't even study. So we need to invest time, not only read, but you need to invest time in the Bible. Okay? And then finally here, the question is, what brings glory to God? Verse 8, what brings glory to God is my career, it's my awesome family, it's my house, it's my car? Is it my inability to spare time with the lost? No, that does not bring glory to God. The only thing that brings glory to God is fruit. Because by your fruit, people will know if you're a disciple of Christ. Fruit is visible, okay? When we talk about fruit, it's not something that I hide and I don't show. I mean, you cannot not show it. It's visible. Fruit of repentance, fruit of obedience, fruit of the Spirit, people, they're all visible. You can see these, right? So someone will tell me that, hey, you know what, Lambert? You don't know my fruit. 
You can't read my heart. You don't know what's inside me. And you know what? I agree. I can't read your heart. Only God can read your heart. But we got to go back to the Bible into Luke 6.45. And God said, a good man brings good things out of the good stored in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up on his heart. So I may not know if you're fruitful or not, but by the way you talk, by the way you act, by your fruits, people know. And that's why Christians get a bad rap, right? Because we, we say we're Christians, but we don't act like Christians. So the fruit that we're showing is not good fruit. So, as always, people are watching you. Your children are watching you. So, think about what kind of fruit you're going to show to people around you. Okay, we're getting there. We're close. 30, 30 minutes. So, we're at the climax. So, this is the climax. John fifteen eleven. Not a long climax. But it basically says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So this is the reason. This is the whole point why we read everything before this. The whole point is joy. And if you notice, when I was reading it, and I, when I was reading it, it was tough because I heard remain, 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 remain. Abide, 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 abide. Fruit, fruit, fruit. So there's a lot of repetition, right? But the point is, we need to be consistent. We need to be consistent in abiding with Christ. We need to be consistent in bearing fruit. We need to be consistent because if we're consistent, God's joy will complete my joy. Another way to put it is that if I don't have the joy of God, I will never be complete. He won't be complete. I won't be complete. So I need that joy to complete me. And the only way I can do that is by remaining. And you can say, you know what? I don't want complete joy. I just want partial joy. I don't think anyone in this room wants partial joy, right? We all want complete joy. Last verse, John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So this is an awesome verse, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do a sidestep here, okay? Um, when you start reading the Bible, you're going to start encountering election, predestination. This is where God chooses people. This is where God <coughs> saves people. He makes that predestination. He makes that decision. And according to this, you did not choose God. So if you're a Christian right now and you're wrestling and you're struggling through the doctrine of predestination or election. I want you guys to simmer on this verse because this basically tells you that you did not choose him. He was the one who chose you. Okay? So going back, I highlighted a truth that will last. 
So we talked about fruit. We didn't talk about what's good fruit and bad fruit. So the only fruit that will last is good fruit. Okay? So when you show people fruit, we all have fruit, by the way. Right? All of us have fruit. The question is, is it good or bad fruit? It's just like um, relationship with Christ. Right? In the church, we say, all you need is a personal relationship with Christ. Well, what kind of relationship? Because everyone in the world, whether they believe in God or not, or they believe in some other religion or some other idol, they have a relationship with God. It's a bad one, though. So when we talk about fruit here, we're talking about good fruit. Okay? So let's summarize. So based on this, bear fruit was repeated about four times. And we know that the fruit that will last is good fruit. So I want you guys to ask yourself, you don't, want, you don't have to answer me right now, but what is the purpose of God saving you? Why did God just not cut you and threw you away? Why did he save you? Why is he pruning you? Why did he choose you? That last question was tough, right? I mean, I had to study that a lot. Because I don't know why God chose me. I really don't know. There's nothing special about me. But why did he choose me? And the song that they sang, Who Am I? Blows my mind away. And the reason why God chose you is because he's yours. You're his. That's why he chose you. Okay? So, going back to pruning, we have to answer that. What's the purpose of them, him saving you? What's the purpose of him pruning you? What's the purpose of God choosing you? So, Fruit of the Spirit. We hear this a lot. You guys agree? Fruit of the Spirit. Galatians. Fruit of the Spirit. And let's go through each fruit of the Spirit. Love. Joy. Peace. <coughs> patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. So this is a common thing that I hear. So when I talk about fruit, hey, Lord Lambert, I have fruit of the Spirit. Okay. Um, I love. I have joy, I have peace, I have patience, I have kindness, I have goodness, I have faithfulness, I have gentleness, I have self-control. I have the fruit of the Spirit. Right? And then, a side note here, Sister Dong always taught us this in small group, that it doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. It's just fruit. It's singular. Which means that you can't really pick and choose. If you have the Spirit in you, you have all of these. Okay? So I have all of them. I have each one of them. I have love. I love people. I love the ones who love me. Right? Um, but Matthew, I think it's 546, basically says, if you love those who love you, even tax collectors do that. And tax collectors are frowned upon. People hate them because they collect tax for Rome and they're Israelites. So people don't like tax collectors. So basically, Jesus is making a comparison that if you love only those who love you, you're just like a tax collector. I'm pretty sure that Adolf Hitler, do you guys know who Hitler is? Hitler? You guys know who Hitler? Okay, I think we all know who Hitler is, right? I'm pretty sure Hitler loves his mom. He does. He loved his mom. 
but he's Hitler. The Pharaoh of Egypt, the Pharaoh that didn't want the Israelites to go back and um, they were enslaving Israel. I'm pretty sure that Pharaoh loved and was very kind to his son. I'm pretty sure of that. So when we look at the fruit of the spirit and we just look at one column of it, then we need to put that to the test, right? So the way we put that to the test is we show the opposite of the fruit of the spirit. Hate, misery, conflict, impatience, unkindness, wickedness, disloyalty, rude, out of control. So let's do a cross-column test here. Do you love those who hate you? Ah, that's uh, maybe, right? What about, let's choose one. Am I gentle to someone who's rude to me? So if you compare the first column to the second column and test that against, it becomes really hard, right? Because I cannot be gentle to someone who's rude to me. I cannot be loving, maybe a little bit, but not loving the way God wants me to love to someone who hates me. But that's the fruit of the Spirit, right? Don't test it on just love by itself. You've got to test it to the opposite, okay? Um, so when we talk about this, I, I will also hear that, hey, um, I'm not perfect. You guys hear that? We probably make that excuse. I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner. Right? But the point here, it's not about perfection. It's about direction. Your direction needs to be headed that way. If the Spirit is truly in you and sanctifying you and changing you, your direction should be towards the first column. And we're never going to be there, okay? Because the sanctifying work of Christ, the sanctifying work of the Spirit, never completes until we're in heaven. So while we're on earth, we will struggle. And the reason why we struggle is because we're sinners. And that's why the gospel message is so amazing for us, because Jesus died for us. We need a Savior. So, fruit of the Spirit is tough, right? Um, but again, not about perfection, direction. Okay? So the last question. If you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, will you lead people to Christ? Is it possible, if you have all of those, is it possible for you not to lead people to Christ? impossible there's no way if you have all of those that means the spirit is within you you will lead people to Christ I'm not saying convert people to Christ we never do that but lead people to Christ I'm also not saying lead people to a religion we don't do that we don't lead people to this church and that church we lead people to Christ okay so I think if you have the fruit of the spirit you will have disciples. You will have fruit. Okay? So what's the result? So remember that, that grapevine that looked dead at the beginning? This is the result. Right? So fruit was, is just hanging. 
And there's a lot of fruit, right? Um, if you remember in Matthew 13, parable of the sower, uh, when the seed was planted on the rock, on the rocky soil, it didn't bear, it, it didn't grow, it grew quickly and then died. And then the ones that were planted on the fertile ground bore fruit, and it created a harvest of a lot of fruit. Okay, so the question is, what is the fruit of Jesus? What are the fruits of Jesus? That's a pretty simple answer, right? That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's obedience. That's repentance. That's kindness. That's, that's all of that. Okay? But the next question is, who are the fruits of Jesus? Again, people. Who are the fruits of Jesus? And those are, that's us. That's the broken people. That's the lost people. The lonely people. It's all us, right? So we are called to be cleansed, pruned, to grow this. We need to be fruitful, okay? So let's, let's close. Uh, it looks like I'm doing great on time. So to summarize, true Christians will bear fruit. There's no such thing as a closet Christian. Faith is not a private thing. It's not something that you, you have a light that you put under the bed, right? You put that light on top of the hill, right? So fruit is visible. There's no such, if, you, if you're fruitless, pray to God that he will give you fruit. But there will be pruning next. So pruning is God's way of making you. I mean, it appears to be it appears that it will hurt you, but it's really for, for you to grow. It's necessary. And uh, if we're struggling through this, we have to trust the gardener. We cannot trust ourselves because we can't do anything. He is the vine, God is the, the gardener, and we're the branches. So we have to trust him. And then last is, it always starts with Jesus. Okay. We have to accept him without objection. Just like what he did to us. He accepted us without objection. So, I want you guys to make Christ not only your savior. A lot of us want wants to be saved from hell, and Christ will do that. But he, we also need to make him our Lord. And Lord, Lord basically tells you to do something. If Christ is your Lord, he's telling you, he's commanding you to do something. He's commanding you to remain in him. He's commanding you to share the gospel. He's commanding you to make disciples of all nations. He's commanding you to be flexible with your time. He's commanding you to, be, to prioritize him. That's what a Lord does. So it can't be one or the other. It has to be Lord and Savior. Okay? So... As we close, I mean, you have to think about it. Is Christ really your everything? Is Christ your one true love? Because if he is, you will bear fruit. <coughs> fruit that's visible and fruit that will last and fruit that leads people to Christ. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you. Um, 
for being with us. We tackled tough messages, the bad news of being cut, and the goodness of being pruned, Lord. May, may you continue to minister with us, Holy Spirit, even long after we leave this church. May you remind us of what we need to do. And if there's someone out there who doesn't have fruit, who is not sure if they're the fruitful branch or the fruitless branch, Holy Spirit, take over them and call them. Call them to your kingdom, Lord, so you can revive the dead branch and make it fruitful. So if any one of you wants to be sure and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, just raise your hand and I'll pray for you. If you're ready, just raise your hand. Okay. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again. Thank you for the message. Thank you for Thank you for dying for us, Lord. Thank you for everything that you have done. And may we continue to seek you. May you be our one true love. May you be our everything. And may we focus on what you, what you focus on, which is lost people and fruit. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you ask everyone to stand? Join us in this response.